0: Welcome, Computer Report readers, listeners, and viewers, to another edition of the Computer Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, I'm John Legend from PewReport.com. Reynolds here on the show. As we John, what are, we talking off-season. about today. We're, we're talking about the offseason. No more That's Victory right. Monday. There's no more game results review. No more even Senior Bowl live action to talk about because those events are done. Until the Combine, we're going to be talking about what happens with the Bucs this offseason, Scott. We're going to look at each position group. We're going to talk about current free agents, players that might retire on the Bucs roster, what the long-term and short-term solutions for each position group look like in our mind, including today as we talk about defensive tackles, what a running mate for Vita Vea might look like long-term. That's been long discussed, and we need to designate some time to it on the show, what that could look like. We're also going to talk about draft prospects uh, that could be available to the Bucs. And th- we have a lot of thoughts on this defensive tackle class, especially after this past week in Mobile, uh, gotten, getting to watch some of them and then the game on Saturday. And we'll also look at some outside free agents that we think one or two that might be possible for this Bucs team uh, yep. to be able to land this off season because there is increased flexibility after the retirement of, even though, yes, there's obviously a negative of the retirement of Tom yes. Brady. There will be some more cap flexibility once they finish restructuring and rearranging all this contract. If Gronk retire, you know, if Gronk yep. retires, who retires, some of those things will give some flexibility. So we'll talk about all that
1: on the now, show today. I'm I sure think it's safe to say that Buck fans would rather have Tom Brady back for another year than a defensive tackle, whether it be through free and see or the draft, right? I mean that's I mean, a pretty um, good guess. Yeah, that's that's just my expert analysis kicking in, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely, but look, we can do that also. You know, we're, we're always going to be coming back to that, but yeah, as bug as some, as one of the fans said at the top of the show right here, uh, this is the exact type of subject matter. We need to be discussing right now. Not any fantasy quarterback trades. Yeah. We have covered the quarterback thing. Scott and I have both written about it. We've done lots of podcasts about it already. We've talked about it in several different shows. We're going to continue to talk about it, and we'll have a positional preview next week when we do offense that we'll talk about next Wednesday. As a matter of fact, Scott and I will be back on, and we'll talk yep. about the quarterback prospect. Hopefully, nine days from now, we know something more. have some type of indication as the combine right. uh, nears. But we're, we're not going to talk about that stuff as much this week unless something right. pops up on the news.
1: I, we I feel like want to just covered those bases. clarify one thing, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to Blaine Gabbard, okay, listen <laughs> – you know, did you, get,
0: did you get some backlash on the Fab Five squad?
1: Yeah, there's was like 60, 70 comments or something like that. <laughs> I have not gone through and read them all. OK, but but listen, uh, just to be clear, right, I I'm not necessarily advocating for Blaine Gabbard uh, yes. to come here. I, I was a little bit of a shtick I did last year in terms of yes. Blaine Gabbard and the Bucks were undefeated, which is true when Blaine Gabbard appeared in the game. Um Maybe they should have slipped him in for a play against the Rams. I don't know, uh, but but in all seriousness, it, it's not about me opining for you right. know, for playing Gabbert uh, or, or or wanting him to come. It's just literally looking at at the the, the facts of the matter. And, and quite frankly, John, if if we didn't have such strong comments from not just Bruce Arians but also Jason Light here on this Peter Report podcast last February after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Without Blaine Gabbert. Um, I, I I wouldn't necessarily think that he's a viable option, but you and I've kind of talked about it a little bit behind the scenes, just, just an hour kind of like figuring out what this team's going to do. And you're right. Uh, you wrote about it today. Fantastic column, uh, about the Bucks options. Um, you know, kind of in line, but also I think a little bit a little bit uh forward thinking looking ahead to 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I wrote about it in Friday's Fab Five. You wrote about it today. Yeah. And um, you know, I think it's safe to say that that neither one of us are are expecting, you know, a blockbuster trade for Aaron Rodgers or a uh, a Russell Wilson deal to manufacture itself. The thing with Russell Wilson is is the Seahawks, if they dealt him this year, would take like an enormous salary cap hit. I mean, like a franchise-crushing salary cap hit. So I know Russell Wilson might want out of Seattle, um, but just from a cap standpoint, it it would be a monumental cap hit. And then the Seahawks are left with, okay, uh, which quarterback, right, would would, would they – where they get to replace him. There's nobody on, on hand right now. It's not even like even the Buccaneers, they have Kyle Trask in the hopper, not for this year, but at least they have a, a, you know, a a young quarterback that they're developing. Yeah, for sure. There's no clear options for sure, but we get, we'll,
0: there might be something more clear to us by next Wednesday and we will talk about it at length uh, by then. And we'll talk about Russell Wilson too. I know there will be questions about that and we'll maybe have some more clarity in, in nine days, but, I did want to mention before we jump into this defensive tackle preview positional outlook offseason podcast that two things have energized me today. One, Scott, is remembering and reading your column about remembering that the Bucs Super Bowl victory occurred one year ago today. And so uh, that's the case. Also, this uh, today or or tomorrow, like slash today, represents two years for me at Pewter Report. So those things energize me. Yep, so I've been excited about that. Those things energize me. And then also I was energized by uh, Celsius because Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I've got the sparkling wild berry, essential energy. It accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, zero sugar. Scott's got the orange there. These things come in in a variety of unbelievable flavors, but Celsius energy drink, what's great about it is not only just the taste. The fact that they can get this taste with no sugar is awesome, but also it gives you the boost without the crash you can see a bunch of the flavors there there's so many different ones to try and check out you can go to celsius.com and you can uh, use the store locator find out where they are near you as well and what's awesome scott is that due to valentine's day don't we have a a little special going on
1: we do uh, this week yes yeah i believe there's,
0: there's a giveaway
1: there is a giveaway you have yes. the information about yes that. i
0: do okay yes i do i'll pull it up here uh all you have to do to enter here's is the link to enter is in the youtube description so just roll down okay. and click on that link in the youtube description and you'll be good to go and all you need to do is enter is just your name your email that's it and then uh the, we it. will have that's it yeah it's very easy wow. um yeah it only takes a second and you can enter to win there'll be five winners uh and they'll get each get one case of strawberry guava and a, that'll be coming up. I believe the, yeah. the next podcast uh, drawing names is on February fourteenth. Yeah. So this is before Valentine's Day. So make sure you get this done. But right now you can get enter that giveaway to win yourself some Celsius. Right. And the strawberry guava is one of the best flavors too. So it make is. sure you sign up in that link
1: below in the pod yep. in the YouTube description. Yeah, very much a a Valentine's kind of themed flavor, right? When you got strawberries, they kind of, you know, you're thinking about like strawberries and chocolates for, you know, for the misses and all that. And, oh, yeah. Uh, but listen, it's strawberry guava. guava, it is a very good flavor. And it's not too it sweet is. either. You think it, it would be, but it, it's really not. It's sweet enough to give you those flavors, but it's it's not overpowering. Yeah. Speaking of things that aren't that sweet, Scott, it's the Bucks' defensive tackle situation
0: going into the offseason. There is a lot of unrest. And Dominick Sue and Steve McClendon might retire, and they are the oldest two defensive tackles in the league, I believe, this season. Uh, and so their future is up in the air as they evaluate their options. There's Will Golston's situation, who's also a free agent. We feel pretty confident Will Golston's going to be back. Yeah. He's already made it clear he doesn't have a desire to play anywhere else. Tampa's home, and that's where he wants to stay. Right. Makes complete sense that the Bucs would feel the same way and bring him back regardless of the cost. It's, it's, it doesn't seem like anything that would deter them um, this offseason for bringing Golston back. They obviously love him. He's been a great fit with Todd Bulls. One of those rare cases of a player who was inherited – in despite yes. not being a star was inherited by a new coaching staff and actually fit perfectly and ended up being even better moving forward. That doesn't always happen with those guys. No, usually, right. It's like, okay, let's get these mid guys out of here and I'll bring guys that I've worked with before. And instead Golstons end up being a perfect fit. So we can agree that he'll yeah. be back, but we don't know what the future holds for doing McClendon.
1: You're right. And, and I think the thing too, is when you look at, at Sue, right. He's, he's had a, a fantastic uh, stint in Tampa, right? I mean, the, the, you go back to, um, you know, to when he essentially replaced Gerald McCoy, right? I mean, there's was, there was a lot of McCoy fans out there that were kind of upset when when um, Jason Light made that right. switch, if you will, right? It was a salary cap move to get rid of, of Gerald McCoy. At the same time, though, John, Gerald McCoy's body was really starting to break down. And the one thing I remember Jason telling me throughout this process is Indominus Su is just an Iron Man. He's yeah. never missed a game since entering the NFL in 2010 due to injury. Yeah. He's only missed right. games due to suspensions. And you look at at his his record in Tampa Bay, right? Uh, 16 Crazy. games uh, in, a, in a, well, 17 games this past year, but he's he's hmm. not missed a game as a Buccaneer. He's been an absolute rock of a player in terms of of the stability inside. And you know what? There were some you know, some talk about his declining pass rush numbers was McCoy, the better pass rusher. The problem is with Gerald McCoy is the last couple of years, he'd just been hurt. He went to Dallas and got hurt Mm. right off the bat. Same thing out there in Las Vegas this past year. I think his career is done. We're talking about Indomitian Sue possibly coming back, John at age 35 (laughs) this year. Right. Right. And and the thing is you look at, at just the sack production, uh, which I think is kind of a bonus for him, given his age and given his role in this Bucks defense, it's not really a scheme where where the, the defensive tackles are asked to, you know, to use quickness and, and beat their guy one on one. Sue and Bita Vea inside are more power players. And really you mm-hmm. could even say the same from Steve McClendon and for Rakeem Nunez roches They're all kind of power players inside a mm-hmm. defensive tackle. But six sacks in each of the last two years, and then you throw in the extra sack that um, a sack and a half that Indominus Sue got in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen the drop-off in in pass rush. This was a player that the last time that he had sack numbers of six or more was back in 2015 when he was in Miami. Right. Yeah, no question it would be a loss if he decides to retire. I
0: don't think it's a a massive loss, but you have to find a way to replace him. That's the big key, right? Like This is obviously a good defensive line. You have difference makers in Barrett and and Vea. You probably have another one on the way, and Joe a Good off season is going to be important for him. But on the interior, you know, Golston's been an ascending player in this scheme. Obviously, some of those sacks for all these guys are, are off the scheme and off the, the twists right. and all the blitzes and all that stuff that frees up different people. But Sue had a couple of nice one-on-one wins this year for sacks, and he just you know he's a good player overall. And uh, the other part of it is locker room, right? We start talking about yeah. those kind of things, and you realize Steve McClendon, and Dominic and Sue, two of the most respected guys in the locker room. So. You have to weigh all of those things, and the Bucks will weigh those things against the costs and the other options they have in free agency. If they want to come back, I think they'll they'll make room for them to come back. I just yeah. am not sure that's going to be the case. The other thing I'll say about this, Scott, is that and Sue was, a, like you said, a great free agent signing. And one of the players, along with Jason Pierre-Paul and Ryan Jensen and Shaq Barrett, that came in and helped – change the culture that Jason light made those four moves and really didn't miss in terms right. of bringing in guys on the defensive line. But sometimes I think what gets overlooked with the GMs, we talk about those, those major big name moves yeah. and not missing with any of them. That's very rare. But I think what also gets missed is the moves on the fringes that, that lights made that got signing a guy like Hakeem right. Nunez Roaches, signing a guy like um, like uh, Steve McClendon or trading for, I guess I should say right. at the point in the season when they did last year and how they went from, They stayed. They remained the number one run defense, even after losing Vita Vea and McClendon was a big part of that. Having a guy like that to be able able to play in rotation, yeah. I think those types of moves by a GM are so underrated. Right, and because he knows the scheme, and you mentioned you mentioned it before. Jason Light watches the games from the sideline. He spends so much time (laughs) with the coaches, yes. So he knows the scheme, and because of that, I think he can go out and find these fringe players who would have been or were cast-offs other places, or, you know, not ancillary pieces other places, he can bring him in and say, I know that what our scheme is, so I can find this perfect player to just plug in here. And Rakeem Nunes-Roach is just is coming off, I think it might be his best season in the NFL. He was, we didn't really talk about him all year, but when he played, right. he was really good. And they use all these guys, you know, that's important to know too. These guys all play 15 to 20, 25 snaps a game. So this is a very becomes a very important position if they're going to continue to use a deep rotation. But the fact that light has pretty much gone out and found all players that work since he's been here in terms of defense, since the Chris yeah. Baker debacle of That's 2017 right. like last really the years, last five years he's just free gold. agent
1: that, that mm-hmm.
0: didn't really pan out for, yeah, for GK, Jackson you know? in 2017 yeah. Yeah. yeah but since then it's his ability to find guys that fit this scheme defensively fit with Todd Bulls once right and to be able to plug him in and at least as a run defense not lose anything yeah. is really encouraging the question I have for you Scott is from the coaches standpoint almost who, who obviously are advising and helping mm-hmm. with the acquisition of these players, given Bulls working with McClendon before and so on and so forth. Right. Should that continue to be the focus of adding to this defensive line at what point do they say okay we have Raheem news roaches we have will golson you know yeah. golson's a capable pass rusher nacho it's never going to happen for him right as a pass rusher at this point in his career at what point do you say okay if we're losing sue and McClendon, are we going to replace these guys with two cheap run stuffers which you can probably do there's a decent amount right. of those players out there and they've shown the aptitude to figure out what players work or do you swing for the fences a little bit do you say we're going to go upside we're going to go pass rush ability even if we sacrifice a little bit of run defense, you know, because we're not paying for a right. star, we're going to prioritize something like that. I just wonder how they evaluate it moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing is, is you know, they really they've I think they've tried to to get uh, you know some some pass rush, um, you know, going at the position right. I mean, Sue, you know, he's he's not your your classic run stuffer. He does have, have some pass rush ability, but if he's not going to be back. Who are some options to come out there and and replace him? And and I think the thing is, is when you look at at uh, the fact they've drafted a couple of defensive tackles late, none of those guys are here. But um, uh, you know, I I'd like to see. I I can hear you.
0: Did you lose it? I can hear you. <laughs> We appreciate Chris with the super chat here with the five dollars super chat saying, "Last year, I spent my birthday in Tampa watching the Bucks win the Super Bowl." Well, thanks, Chris, for that five dollars super chat, and and we completely agree with that. You're right that Sue is a good pass rusher and has been a good pass rusher, Scott. I think now it's about what about the guys that can win one on one. You know, in in the right. meantime, that at some point, like there's a scheme which obviously has been very strong and good, and and they've been able to rack up sacks but we've talked about it kind of off season when we've done these pods since, since before, even the, the loss to the Rams, how do you get the more out of the four man pass rush without having to scheme up everything for people? One is Joe trying development. Two yeah. is Vita Veya playing more snaps moving forward. Touch on that today on, the, on today's show. But three has got to be, can you get another interior pass rush? So you don't have to always use JTS there or right. JPP there in the past. Can you get some more juice inside as a pass rush, especially if Sue comes back and you know, it's, He's another year older, and, and you're only going to play him a certain amount of snaps, and you know Nacho and McClendon aren't giving you anything in that regard. And Golson's right. capable, but there's no other real difference. There's no guy that changes what a defense does or threatens a defense even on those downs. And it's hard to find, but I think that could be some, well, part of their priority this offseason.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And 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 playing Vitavea more, right? He's He's got to be able to get more snaps in games to be that, that pass rusher type of, of player. We saw him get four sacks this year. I think, you know, it's not always about the sacks. It's it's about pressures. It's about getting to the quarterback and affecting him. You look, you know, he had a, a sack in, in the, the Rams playoff game. He had four sacks this year. So he's never been better from a production standpoint than last year in terms of, of getting to the quarterback. Now you're paying him all this money, John. And even if Ndamukong does come back, I, I think Vita has got to play more.
0: Yeah, no question.
1: I understand that, that he's a bigger guy. You play in Florida, but at some point in time, you got to kind of take the I don't say the training wheels off, but I'm gonna say it because I feel that, that way. They've, they've got to get Vitavea um to be well, more of an impactful player in not yeah? That, what that doesn't make much more sense more is that in
0: the past he played more. Like what's that's what doesn't make sense. It's like in Tampa, he has played more in past years. So what yeah. changes, here, or do they just say, okay, we're gonna try and keep him as fresh as possible? To an extent, I get it, Scott, but he became a really a, a difference-making passer. I never right. watched snaps and saw Vita Vea laboring on the field, even when he played more snaps in games. doesn't
1: like, loaf. I mean, he's then out there, you know, yeah. hands on the hips,
0: gasping for right. I so. mean, I'm not saying play this guy 85% of snaps right. like Aaron Donald. I'm saying you have to at least be playing him 70 to 75% of yes. snaps if you are going to justify paying him what you paid him. Yeah, that, yeah There's yeah. just no way around it. You, it's one thing if he's good, but you haven't paid him. Once you've paid him, You cannot be playing him 50 or less percent of less for a lot of these games. That just we've talked about it a lot. That can't continue. So that will help. Yeah. And I don't think they need a star next to him. But it brings up the question that we've talked about. And we even talked about it last year. We talked about with Khalil Davis when he was on the team. Could Khalil Davis have become the eventual ideal running mate? for Vita Vea obviously unlikely when you're that late of a round pick you're probably always going to be a rotational guy and he certainly never showed more than rotational ability but that was kind of the 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 question came up because of that what's the prototype to put next to Vea how much do you sacrifice in terms of of run defense when you're making those kind of moves lots of interesting stuff to consider I guess I think a guy like Grady Jarrett for example of of a player you know I don't even know uh, what his contract status is necessarily I know the Falcons have to be kind of weighing that he's not been the same player in recent years and right. could he be one of those surprise availabilities remember Jarrell Casey was a it was a yeah. surprise availability a couple of years ago um, and then ended up getting hurt and ended up retiring after that uh, when he went to Denver but um, that could be could that be a situation where he's you no know, Jared's not old but he's a little bit older right. he's coming off some down years at a position that isn't necessarily highly valued what would his situation look like? But he's a guy that can play three or nose. Vea can move around two. They can yep. find some matchups. And Jared has that pass rush juice while still being a capable defender. So there's some like a sweet spot of like a couple players that might be able to give you both. But then once you start moving in either direction, if those guys are off the table, then you start looking at options and saying, okay, like this guy's more of a pass rusher than a run defender. This guy's more of a run defender than a pass rusher. You know, there's usually a pretty clear line. Not many guys give you both like a Vita Veo can and even Veo is yeah. more of a run defender.
1: No, you're right. And I think the thing, John, is, is that they, they tried to get with Kilo Davis a, a guy who was a little lighter and quicker and more athletic and twitchier. But at the end at the end of the day, the reason why they, they let him go is because he just couldn't win like they wanted him to mm-hmm. in, against the run. In this right. team, right or wrong, Ty Bowles, this scheme, prioritizes run defense at the defensive tackle position over pass rushing ability, you know, and drives like a an old Buccaneer defensive tackle like Warren stop crazy because he wants to to see that that quick penetrating, you know, three-tech, one gap uh style of of defensive tackle, because that's that's who he was. That's who the, the players of his era, the Leroy Lovers, the Keith Millards, the John Randall's, you know, those defensive tackles that back in the day when there were things like, you know, five and seven-step drops, John, where they could get 12, 14, 16, 20 tackle or uh, sacks, you know, in a season, um, you know, Aaron Donald can do that, but really nobody else can Mm -hmm. because they just don't have that, that uh, supreme athleticism to get to the quarterback with so many of these, these quick throws, these, you know, one step drops, three step drops, and the ball is gone. But I I think that the, the aspect about, um, you know, about this is, the pass rush, the sack that was come from the outside linebackers and from blitzing linebackers. Um, you mentioned Grady Jarrett. I think I think that's really kind of like you know uh, s- s- splitting the hairs. I, I think that yeah. that that's a player that has shown he can stuff the run and get after the quarterback. And there's a couple guys: Fletcher Cox, maybe if he's still in his prime, mm-hmm. that type of player. Geno Atkins, even though he was a touch undersized, was was stout against the run and could get to the quarterback. I think what we're seeing, John, in this year's draft class and certainly last year's as well was was kind of deficit at the defensive tackle position because the college game has evolved so much that teams aren't running the ball as often. You're starting to see the trend reverse itself a little bit, but there is so much spread in college football that, that uh, you would have these defensive tackles that were really like 260, 270 inside so they could generate some sort of pass rush. There wasn't the need for the run-stuffing defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. And, and and the guys that were um, didn't really develop as pass rushers because the ball got out so quickly with the spread when the RPO game that that they didn't have a chance to really put up the sack numbers and get up the pressures and really develop. So right. I I, th- I think that that the defensive tackle position, it's not dead like the fullback, right? You're always gonna have to have defensive tackles. For sure. But I just think that that y- you don't see the quality and the quantity of the position because the college game has changed so much. You're just not spitting into the league these these really premier pass rushers that are, you know, worthy of top five picks, like yeah. you with maybe what, Derek Brown was the last one.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, he was a top pick, but again, he's disappointed at one point this year, they even benched him. You know, that's been a problem too. That class was billed as having two premier guys and Brown has been a disappointment relatively speaking. And Kinlaw has been injured constantly, who I think would have been a total difference maker in the NFL. But now when you spend most of your first two years injured, it's hard to come back from that. It just track record shown us maybe he still does. Obviously you still hold out hope, but it just that's, we had this great class, you know, a while back. Obviously, with Christian Wilkins, and has been a good player for sure. Even if he's not a great passer, Jeffrey Simmons has developed into a really good passer. Sure that took a year or two. Ed Oliver as a good player for sure. Even if he didn't necessarily, people used to talk about him as the number one overall pick. Dexter <laughs> Lawrence is a good player. Greg Gaines is a good player. Yeah. You know, there's been some good players. Um, I just don't know that it's been you know, Quentin Williams, obviously. Um, right. That, but since that class, it's been completely downhill. I mean, you look at the last two classes. And it's been really brutal in terms of top end talent. I mean, you even look at PFF grades, even if you don't totally trust them. Just go to – I mean, look at guys from the 2020 draft class who play interior defensive line. Rashard Lawrence, who barely plays for the Cardinals, (laughs) is the highest-graded guy. Derek Brown's below him. You know, he played 600 snaps this year. The only guy this year to even play 600 snaps – that was in that class at defensive tackle is Derek Brown. he's been uh, a disappointment. Right. Everybody else is a part-time player yeah. in that class. And then we know about 2021 <laughs> Christian Barmore had a True, decent yeah. grade for PFF, but only as a pass rusher, as a run defender, he right. was terrible too. So it, it really has been a struggle to find these guys in recent classes. I will say this, Scott, I don't think this class, like last year's class, honestly, like the top guys we're talking about is Barmore, and Davion Nixon, who's, yeah. like, barely played this year. Right. Uh, I think he got hurt, too, and ended up being, like, a day three pick. Um, who else? Levi yeah. and Wuzerike, yeah. who yeah. I talked to a Lions guy that was, like, would not surprise me if they cut that guy like yeah. me. Like, that's how bad he was as a rookie. Yeah. So, like, bullet dodge because we talked about a lot, that guy a lot for yeah. the Bucs last sure. year, I remember. Um, but those kind of guys were the top guys. And I watched right. all of them, and I was, like, they're either going to get it in the NFL or they're going to all bust and be, like, out of the league. Right. And some of them could be headed in that direction with Nixon and on Wuzuriki. We'll see. Yeah. But this year, I don't think that the floor is as low for the, these guys in this class. Like These guys are going to play in the NFL from what I see from the top guys. And we'll talk about a couple of them in a second. But last yeah. year, I just felt like not only were none of the tape great and none of the like stuff you heard that great about them, right. but then there was also like this just they could be disasters in the NFL. They could be straight misses. Mm-hmm. This year, I see a much higher floor. I don't know if there's anybody with star potential. Like You get into some of the guys in this class, Travis Jones from UConn, and we just saw at the senior bowl, big, powerful dude who will stop the run. He is not going to be a super big liability. And same with Jordan Davis from Georgia, although we'll talk about him for a second while I think the value is out of whack on him. But there's some guys like they just have higher floors. They're going to be players in the league. I have no confidence. You're not going to necessarily hate the pick, I think, unless you take him super high. But the question will be the value. Do they give you the value? Because I don't know if I see a lot of passing downs, difference makers in this group.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, I think that kind of speaks to my point too, just that you, you don't have the, the, the guys with, with the, the pass rushing resumes. And part of that is is, is just what they're facing in, in college football with so much of the, of the quick passing game, the RPO, the, the screen game. Uh, where you the quarterbacks literally taking one step out at, at a center or in the shotgun and just throwing the ball down the line of scrimmage, and and so that therefore when you see a guy like like Travis Jones from UConn, you know who who I, I thought had a pretty good showing at, at the the Senior Bowl and, and was on a really really awful UConn team right, but this th- this is a big three hundred and you know twenty five two hundred. 326
0: he, yeah 328 i think he came in the senior yeah.
1: bowl which I, I bet that
0: was trimmed down a little bit for big yeah. boy <laughs> he's a
1: big guy right big thick guy. And he's not sloppy
0: look i mean you can see the weight distribution there yeah. like he even Veya, he carries a lot in his gut you know he he's a little bit stouter shorter jones is just huge i mean he's over six four yeah. he's just a massive dude i stood and talked to him i i you know, you get a vibe from two minutes of talking to a guy. You, you hardly know who they are. But right. I got great vibe just in terms of intensity, demeanor, looking in the eye, like not messing around, you know, that kind of vibe from him that, like, the, I asked him straight up. I was like, Has, have you felt like you've been physically challenged at any point in your career? He's like, nope, not yet. And he yeah. meant including the senior bowl. So, and it, and it was obviously the senior bowl. You know, he did – there were a couple good reps against him. He's got a lot to figure out in terms of pass rush repertoire. But just watching him at the Senior Bowl, I haven't seen his tape yet. I don't know what's going to tell me based on him playing AAC competition. Right. But just watching him there and then watching tape of Jordan Davis, yeah. I'm not sure I would take Davis before him just yet. Like yeah. we have to pump the brakes on Davis a little bit. And I say That'd this, and we'll talk about Devontae Wyatt too, because people are asking about him in the chat. And we'll talk about Devontae Wyatt because I liked some things there. Yeah. But Davis is being talked about like he's not going to be available for the Bucs. I uh, think he's gonna be available for the Fox. Like I think he's gonna be in that range, Scott, because this is a guy that has not played. I mean, he this year was the first year he went over 300 snaps in, in a season in his college career, right? And he didn't hit 400, so like he still has barely played football, and yeah. he's a nothing on passing downs. I mean, I think he has eight pressures this past year, and how many games they play? 14 games. I mean, he just thing a complete hero on passing downs. Like you, you watch him when he plays on passing downs, it's nothing. Like I don't know if yep. it's the energy that's there. He loafs sometimes when he's on the field. I don't know. Again, that could be just like what they're asking him to do is just contain the pocket because you're not really a, an upfield guy and you have this huge wingspan. There's no question he's a good run for sufferer. He can move people. You know, he can, he, in terms of his gap, he is not going to get blown up very often. He double right. teams just die on, on his body. Like, but yeah. range and ability to penetrate and make plays, a lot of plays behind the line that, you know, he'll yeah. be a good player. He'll be a starter for somebody, but it'll be in a rotation, I think. And, I don't know that a lot of teams are going to see a first round value in that.
1: I agree, and the thing is, is, is when we talk about, you know, we we complain about Vita Vea playing forty five, fifty percent of the snaps. I mean, that's really what Jordan Davis did at Georgia. I watched a ton of Georgia football over the last. I've watched Georgia football the last several years. My wife's a Georgia fan, and 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 I've kind of been a fan of the team too. So I'm up on on all the Georgia guys, and I'm I'm, I, I wanted to come into this season liking Jordan Davis, uh, you know, more than I did because I thought, okay, he's, he's staying for his senior year. He's come, you know, he's coming back and he's, he's going to be even more impactful this year. And honestly, it was, it was Devin Carter, number 88, the sophomore who was the yeah, best yeah. defensive tackle, in my opinion. And, then then yeah. the next best defensive tackle was Devontae Wyatt, right? Mm-hmm. And then Jordan Davis in him. that order, right? And so yeah. I'm with you. I don't see the first round grade on Jordan Davis because of his, his limitations um for, for two reasons. Number one, it's it's he just doesn't have much of a pass rush. Uh, it's literally if he's gonna win, it's gonna be taking a guard and driving him back into the quarterback. And uh, and and yes, we saw Travis Jones do that at the senior bowl for a sack in the game. And that's it. Listen, that's how and Su gets some of his sacks in Vita Bay too, two. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the full rush. Uh, but, I saw Travis Jones
0: try to use pass rush moves. Guy. Right. I saw him. At, I mean, like he's, I'm not, he's never going to be like a big sack impact yeah. guy, but if he can get to even where Veya's gotten to, where Vea can next next rip under and swim somebody, you know what I mean? Like then, right. I, and Jones is huge. And I think that that potential is there for him. I'm not sure it's there for Davis. I mean, Jones played double the amount of snaps Davis did this past year. Like can yeah. Davis even hold up? If you ask him to play more, he hasn't done it. I know they play in
1: rotation yeah. there,
0: his well, energy level on passing downs doesn't indicate that he can at the next level. I just
1: don't know. I don't see the mobility either. I I think yeah. he is such a phone booth type player. Where at least with Jones, and you know, I, I saw him actually chase down, I think it was Sam Howell, uh, in the game where where he was going from left to right and and he was actually in pursuit. And I thought, wow, big man's got some wheels. You know, he didn't really make the tackle or anything, but he he kind of escorted the quarterback out of out of bounds. And and Vita Vea's got some some mobility too. You'll see him chase down a screen. You'll see him, you know, fly to the edge of of the um, uh, you know of of the uh, the defense and and yes. be active and and run, run support that way. I just I don't see it with Jordan Davis. And and again, um, he's got the size, but the thing is is. Is if Vita Vea is going to be the nose tackle in this defense, and sometimes they'll play, you know, almost like like a double double B gap style, especially in nickel rush situations. But but if, if you're looking for that A gap guy, that that's Vita Vea, right? And then you're looking for a B gap player, that three tech in Todd Bowles' defense. And that's been in Sue. I think Travis Wilson can do that, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, when when looking at Where he lined up, he lined up in the A-gap on 110 snaps last year, but in the B-gap, 469 snaps. And again, like you, I don't have a a whole bunch of UConn footage. Uh, I think I only have one game taped because UConn's just not on TV that much. But but uh, I think that that he has the mobility to at least kind of play the B-gap, where Mm -hmm. I I don't think Jordan Davis can. I think he is strictly an A-gap. You know, yeah. double-team type of nose tackle. And the Bucs are weird. To be
0: yeah. It's weird because Davis played more snaps in the B-gap at Georgia than the A-gap, but I agree with yeah. you for the NFL for sure. Different beast, different, totally different just playing outside the SEC. And you could see Davis – I mean, he was great on rundowns. I'm not trying to totally diminish what the guy does. Like, there's no question. I mean, Alabama – rude the day like he moves some people no question i really like his game i just like it properly valued and some people talk about just
1: him so limited in, in terms day. of the snaps that he will play because unlike right. B. 2 do think conditioning is an issue with jordan davis yeah it could be for sure and we'll find out a lot about that throughout the process mark uh, i don't know
0: uh we appreciate this uh question mark and the donations to the always send in our way yes, uh, i don't know but for our free agents is the transition tag a viable option as well as the franchise tag Good question, because some people kind of forget, even myself, I kind of forget. So here's the definition of transition tag. The transition designation is a one year tender offer for the average of the top 10 salaries at the position, as opposed to the top five for the franchise tag. It guarantees the original club the right of first refusal to match any offer the player might receive from another club. But if even if they decide not to match, you won't get any compensation. So you don't get any comp picks or anything like that. If the player decides to sign elsewhere uh, and leaves your organization, so that's just kind of a reminder about the transition tag. It's rarely used uh, by any NFL teams, um, and I don't expect the Bucks necessarily to use it. Uh, they want to they want to signs long term and they want to make more long term investments and have more cap flexibility because of that. With players like Chris Godwin or or uh, Carlton Davis, um, even to Jordan White, if he were to return. And by the way, some of these options might be on the table more. If they do end up, oh, we don't have to sign a one year deal with, with Sue and with Gronk and with Brady, you know, and we don't have Brady for this year. Like those guys were all going to be one year on the last year of their deals. You know, those options aren't on the table. Those older players, okay, yeah. we'll invest more in, in Whitehead and Kappa and some younger players who will keep more of that young nucleus around. Um, so that could be an option. We'll talk right. more about
1: John, that. As we get. The crazy thing is, a couple of, of months ago on this podcast and, and in, on our stories on PeterReport.com, we were talking about. What's it going to cost to re-sign Gronk? What's it going to cost to re-sign AB, right? Right. I mean – And now – Right. A lot but, of those
0: one-year things aren't on the table anymore and right. or might not be on the table, yes, which which changes a lot because now you don't have to worry about as much. Like before, it was like those one years, you almost had to use more dead cap right? because you, you couldn't soften the blow this year without doing that because there weren't more years yeah. to spread it out. Now that you don't have that, although you'll probably be a worse team in 2022 – it right. gives you a lot more flexibility to be a really good team in 2023, 2024. If you mm-hmm. can hit on a couple, if you can bring those guys back and then hit on a couple, the young guys, and then right. hit on a couple fringe moves and a couple draft picks before then. Yeah. And so, wait, wait we're, not, we're
1: not trying to ruin anybody's Buccaneer fan experience by throwing out a scenario where it's like Blaine Gabbard and, and Kyle Trask and all of that. But if the Buccaneers, John, if they're not committing $20 million a season like they did to Jameis Winston in 2019, and 25 million a season, like they did for these past two years with Tom Brady, there will be some cap ramifications, right, with mm-hmm. Brady. Um, but what I'm saying is, if you're not committing that "quote unquote" starting quarterback money, then then, then it can be a situation where you can mm-hmm. have more cap room to keep some players like uh, a Jordan Whitehead, like you're talking about, and and uh, and certainly have money for Carlton Davis and, and Chris Godwin. You and I both think they're going to come back regardless. but really what it is it's it's continuing to build the roster around the quarterback position and not force it like you mentioned in today's article john which was a really good one on peterreport.com yeah i think that's exactly right at the quarterback position right yeah and
0: we'll talk more about as it pertains to each of those position groups as we go through the next two weeks and look at each of those groups but the big thing you had to focus on is that like remember 2023 that cap is yeah. going to go up again right. and the Bucs are not the Saints or Packers they are not over the cap or the Rams they're not over the cap they're already under it even yeah. with it with the moves they made for future years because they don't have that much money tied up in future years right. unlike those other teams so they have the freedom to be able to do some of those other things also keep your eyes open I think a Mike Evans contract extension could be on the table for the yeah. summer lock sense. him in for his Bucks career in Tampa Bay and that'll give you even more flexibility uh, to work with as well, depending on how they structure it. So we got to talk about this because everybody's asking about it. <laughs> Nate Pitt says, I know y'all are talking D-line, but I just read that Kyler Murray removed all Arizona content from his IG and reshared a story from Mike Evans catching a pass from him in the Pro Bowl. What's going on? I actually didn't. I thought people, everybody would just assume this was a joke when I saw like Trevor and Zach Blobner and those guys like tweeting about it today but we are leaning all the way into it apparently and buying this. I have no idea what's going on with Colin Murray's Instagram. I'm pretty sure he also removed all pictures of his family. I don't know if that means he wants to leave his family as well. Uh we'll see. So I don't I'm not really anything into this necessarily oh with Colin Murray. Uh you know, it's just is what it is at this point. And maybe he's revamping his IG or something. I really don't yeah. know, but I can't comment on any type of <laughs> trade situation with them in the Cardinals, um, yeah. but it is would be funny when he because I'm sure he'll get asked straight up about it, and knowing Kyler will be like, "Oh, uh, what?" Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that super deep voice that he has. <laughs> and, and listen, I think we can kind of say right now, not exactly a perfect scheme fit for Bruce Arians. Right? I mean,
0: it's definitely not Bruce Arians' physical <laughs> prototype at quarterback for sure. Yeah. Kyler obviously is a cannon of an arm and can make yeah. every throw and. But again, you talk about a guy that invites pressure and would be the anti-Brady because he's so deep in the pocket all the time. It would be, it would be chaos. But he's what five ten, yeah, something like that. I mean, it's it's yeah, he's small, no question about it.
1: Russell Wilson's one thing at five eleven, right? You have Kyler Murray, uh, who I I I think loves to operate out of structure even more than Russell Wilson does behind the offensive line. So right, I think you and
0: I both we've talked about Kyler before. I definitely love the talent. I mean, some of the throws he makes are unbelievable. Some of the plays he can make are unbelievable. The consistency is everything at quarterback. And, and until you can find that, I'm not – obviously, he's good. Can he be great? Right. I don't know. Right. But anyway, I
1: don't, <laughs> I don't think that's – He certainly wasn't great in that Harvinder, playoff. Harvinder's
0: it? – <laughs> it's breaking news. Murray just posted an image of the box flag on his Instagram. I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. I love the off season, man. The intrigue is just at an all-time high. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to the draft guys and then the free agent guys that we sure. both like, and then we'll wrap up. Um, go ahead, uh, talk about the draft guy that you think could be of interest uh to the box. I can't remember who you told me before the show started. No, well,
1: it was Travis Jones. It was Jones. Okay, From- you yeah. talked about him at length then. All right, yeah. And he's you know, he's he's a player that that uh that played two seasons at UConn. He uh actually three really 2018, he had half a sack, five and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, didn't play during the COVID year of 2020. Mm-hmm came back last year seven and a half tackles for loss four and a half sacks so he he's he's a, a good mix of what I think the bucks would be looking for uh as as a player that can get to the quarterback push the pocket but also just be that power player against the run that Todd Bowles loves if you're looking for a free agent you know there's a player that I really uh liked uh at the senior bowl a couple years ago and uh, that's that's bJ hill plays for the bengals you might have yes. seen him pick off Patrick Mahomes in the uh, the championship game, and this is a player that started his career uh, with the Giants. Still twenty six years old, they just traded him to Cincinnati. I'm sure the Bengals would would probably like to re sign him. He's an ascending player, had five and a half sacks for them.
0: But keep this in mind with the Bengals they they just resigned they just signed DJ Reed money and Trey Hendrickson huge money can't afford them all. Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, but th- this is a player that at North Carolina State was was a, a a pretty rock solid guy against the run. His pass rush is coming on. He's got 13 career sacks. Had five and a half as a rookie. The pass rush production just wasn't there in New York over the last couple of years, but it's kind of re- shown a bit of a resurgence there. At 303. he's not the biggest guy. He's not you know like a, a kind of a monster like Andaman as you see him there with the ball number ninety two. He's built a little bit. Uh, kind of uh, longer and leaner. Um, but you see the arms and, and the thighs, right? He He's a solid dude. He's well put oh, together. Yeah. And and I think that he would be an ideal player. We kind of talked a little bit, John, about about needing that 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 B-gap uh, run stuffer slash penetrator on run down or on passing downs. And I think B.J. Hill is coming into his zone now. He's a very young player. I'd love to see them have two young defensive tackles, a one-two mm-hmm. punch inside with Vita Vea. And you look at – at uh, B.J. Hill is uh, just uh, 26. He'll be 27 a couple days before my, my birthday in April 20. I, I think that he would be a, a player that, that could intrigue the Bucks and might be worth investing in.
0: I love this, Scott. I'm all about this move. B.J. Hill is a stud, He's but the cost is realistic, I think. He's a good fit. He's versatile. One technique, three technique. Can move around. He gives you a little bit of everything. He's kind of like a, again, got like a good combination of. There's more pass rush juice there than anybody not named Veo that was with the Bucks in the inside right. last year. But he's going to give you good run defense too. He's, he's youth is there. It could be a great fit in terms of the scheme too. Um, I think it's. I, I love it. I, I hope that they do that. They consider it. I don't know what the cost exactly is going to be. He is coming off a really good year, um, and, and obviously and it's a.
1: In the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> You're going to get that little Super You'll Bowl bonus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no
0: question about it. But you have really good player, and I think everybody th- likes to talk about it. Just character, personality, everything. It's it just it checks the box for BJ Hill. So, yeah, really good underrated player. We'll see what the market looks like for him as he as he hits free agency. Speaking of the market, there's a way that you've got an opportunity to put away a little bit of money for yourself on the market, and it comes from our friends over at Immuni Financial.
1: At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now.
0: You. Congratulations, you we're so happy. Thank to you. you. Thank you.
1: And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future.
0: How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic.
1: I know I say it all the time, but you really gotta come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. John, I just got some numbers from um, my friends over at Immuni Financial with my portfolio to say I'm happy is an understatement. Listen, managing your family's wealth means more to Immunity Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With over 40 years of experience here in the Tampa Bay area, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Do what I did. Call in uni Financial for a free, no risk, uh, you know, no obligation financial sit down and tell them what your dreams are. Tell them what you want to save money for. Tell them, you know, how much money you're looking to earn with their investments to get your to retirement or to help pay for your kids' college savings. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit aimuni.com.
0: Great stuff from our friends at A Muni. Some people are asking about a BJ Hill contract, what it could look like. I'm going to try and look that up. I, I know our boy Brad Spielberger's got a, uh, got a projection out there somewhere on Pro Football Focus. So I'm going to try and get a hold of that and see kind of what that might look like for him. By the way, for people wondering, I know about Chris Godwin, he is Pro Football Focus's number three uh, free agent. They think Pro Football Focus believes, and they are very dialed in. Brad is super dialed in, yeah. you know, because some of the stuff he's told us recently, Scott, has come out. Oh, exactly yeah. true. But they're thinking about, for Chris Godwin, maybe $17.5 million per year. For four years, $70 that. Million. So That yeah. would be very good for the box if that's his market, I think. Yeah. That's, that's not stretching them too much, I believe. Um, so something to consider there uh, when it comes to Chris Godwin. So we'll keep looking down and out with COVID. Uh, Robert says, you know, and he sends a $5 super chat. Wow, even with COVID. Thank you for keeping my mind occupied with great content. Keep up the good work. We appreciate it, Robert. Hope you feel better soon, for sure. Uh, no I fun at all. I but...
1: myself a couple, uh, two two weeks ago, really. Yeah. So thankfully and... it was the mild strain, lots right. of fluids, lots of rest, vitamin D, get some zinc in you, and uh, hopefully you feel better, Robert. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for the super chat as well,
0: Robert. Uh, we'll uh, try to find, see if there's, uh, some of their contract projections are pretty interesting because they think Carlton Davis is getting the franchise tag. So they haven't put to, necessarily yeah. a total out there. So we'll look into BJ Hill too, but my free agent, I was thinking more along like the, the cheap and affordable um, signings before, you know, I was thinking when, when the Brady era was there, it was okay. It was like, I, who can you sign? You know, that that might help you in terms of the short term. Um, but, I really like Calias Campbell at that point in time. I mean, he's still yeah. a guy that is playing at a really, really high level.
1: Yeah. He gives and you he
0: flexibility. For
1: Bruce Arians out there yeah. in, in uh, Arizona, right? Exactly so,
0: right. And you need to replace some leadership. And he's one of the best dudes and leaders in the yes. NFL at, at any position. So, yeah. you, you know need what? to replace some of that if guys retire too.
1: You're right. And John, that, that's one thing too that I think bears about 10 seconds worth of mentions. When you, when you look at Indomica Sue, right? And, you know, and, and him coming to to Tampa you know, he was a menace for uh, opposing quarterbacks, right? He had this reputation as a guy who was, you know, kind of an ass kicker and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of a nasty guy as well. But you know what? He wasn't nasty to his teammates. They love right. him. They absolutely love him. He is a tremendous leader, and I think that he he came to Tampa, really kind of resurrected his image a little bit. You know, I don't know if he fit in quite well in Miami, he was only Boy out of Rams. Yeah, he was only out yeah. in Los, uh, Los Angeles for a mm-hmm. year, out there helping them get to the Super Bowl. But you know, he—I mean—you cannot find a Buccaneer player that doesn't just revere the guy, right? He—he right. I mean, he has been just in lockstep with Levante David from day one. Those guys, you know, have a pass, of course, but but uh, it's just just a, a great locker room fit, and uh, and really has just brought a lot to the defense. From a leadership standpoint, uh, rather than just on the field play, right? No question
0: about it. And that's an important thing that they'll want to try to replace, obviously. Um, I mean, so that's
1: a, that's a great mention with Calais Campbell because he he really is that type of guy as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. It could be. But again, if you're if you're looking at longer term deals or you're like, okay, let's invest more for the future rather than go on in 2022, right. maybe he doesn't make as much sense. Um, he's older, but he hasn't played a ton of snaps. So maybe Daquan Jones, who's been a good rotational player in his career, Tennessee, Carolina, good ability to still brush the passer a little bit, but also a run stuffer. He's a name I'd consider. And then if you're looking for your 27 years old, DJ Jones from San Francisco, is a really good player plays Sweet. in rotation in San Francisco but stuffs the run has developed as a pass rusher would be a bucks prototype yeah, fit i believe last
1: year it's a, a career high for him
0: yeah yeah he's he's really come on he was a player i loved coming out of college too um he was one of my the sleeper picks and one of my guys coming out so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed him and I think but there are some guys in free agency that can be acquired here that's a good group it's a better group than last year's free agent d tackle group was and it so is. there are some options even like a tim settle. From Washington has been in rotation. He's been a solid player quietly, and I wonder what happens with him if he's able to be somewhere that, yeah. that stays on him and keeps his weight there. That
1: was a player that 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 uh, the Bucks were a little high on during the the pre-draft process. Then they I'll never him. forget his combine, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> do
0: you remember his combine? They came in first round pick. This guy's yeah. a beast all day. He was getting yeah. so much hype. I mean, he didn't do a drill without falling over. It was oh, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, Trevor and I still laugh about that to this day, but. Yeah. That was an unreal workout. But then to his credit, he got his weight down, transformed his body in the NFL. It looks like a totally different player since he got to Washington. Obviously, the defensive line coach is there.
1: He, unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, they and developed I him the, great. the people in front of him too, right? You've got Hand and you've got uh, jo- uh, Jonathan Allen, right? Uh, Allen and, uh, and Payne, yeah, yeah. Payne yeah, and, yeah. and Ionitis as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's so, got a
0: great group to play with.
1: Right. And it's also kind of hard to get some playing time when you've got Deron Payne and – and Jonathan Allen in front of you as well, right? I mean, that's right. that's you know that that that's that's a, that's a tough lineup to crack, um, but maybe he's looking for some more playing time. And and uh, again, I I I think that that's a young player that that is a little twitchy and athletic when he's coordinated and not stumbling. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah. When, that,
0: when he when he's not playing way heavier than he should be, there was some talk after that workout that Virginia Tech made him gain a ton of weight, and he was not playing at the weight that he should right. be playing at. And then once he got that way down and, and got some good coaching, uh, he, he really looked like a totally different player. And I, he's flashed a bunch when I've been able to watch them. So he'd right. be another name. So there's a couple names in free agency. Let's close it out with thoughts on just a couple draft guys um, that we, that we want to consider maybe other than you mentioned, Travis Jones, you kind of got that covered. Yep. I really just quick want to touch on Devonte Wyatt right now in this class. I believe we're only talking about early round guys at this right. point later. in podcast, as we get close to the draft, We'll talk more about late-round guys and you know kind of fallback options and developmental options, stuff like that. Right now I think it's Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, Travis right. Jones from Connecticut. Those are probably the guys that are in the first-round conversation. We'll see about a Logan Hall from Houston. Yeah. Then as you go down, uh, Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma, Fedarian Mathis from Alabama – could be options DeMarvin Leal is going to be really polarizing he's undersized yeah. I know you're not a big fan right. BFF's FF's not uh, actually really likes him I think uh, other sites do not like him at all yeah. this past year was a big step in the wrong direction from him from what I've I read agree. so I gotta watch him more but those are kind of the names that we're considering and weighing right now to different. me why it's interesting because he can play all over he played a yeah. little bit more than Jordan Davis did Energizer Bunny type of guy I made mean, an unbelievable play in the SEC championship game, chasing down uh, Bryce Young and punching the ball out from behind. talk to him at the Senior Bowl, just says good presence about him. He's you know kind of got that nacho like energy and and uh, he's the he's the jokester guy. He's the funny. He said you know somebody asked him or heard a question, they said, who's the funniest guy that uh, in this locker room with the Senior Bowl, and he's like me, of course. He's like I always am, you know. And he's just kind of one of those guys with that personality that I think would fit really well in the Bucks locker room, and so. He's a player I'd be super intrigued by. Even at 27, I need to right. watch more. I watched two games and definitely a good player. Uh, not like, a, again, there's a player too, where you're like, okay, that can be better. That could be better, but not the biggest or longest defensive tackle is right. shorter, a little bit shorter arms, but plays with good first step, good energy. I think he's got better side to side ability than Jordan Davis. So you can see there's a future for him as a pass rusher at a good week in the senior bowl, going to be a good run defending player and can fit in pretty much any scheme. And, Against any scheme, I don't think there's really
1: limitations with him athletically to to right. that degree where in, it would be he's like oh. three hundred pounds, and I think that's important for, for Buck yeah. fans to to keep in mind is is again Khalil Davis was undersized at three hundred pounds, right? I mean he's he was like I think Benning Potawahi is, is is kind of around three hundred now. He got his weight up a little bit. But when you when you look at, at guys like like you know uh DeMarvin Leal, I mean he's two hundred and ninety pounds. And and even the same thing with with Perry on Winfrey, who, uh, you know, and, and I saw a comment in there, you know, about Winfrey, you know, Winfrey was, was killing at the senior bowl. Listen, I went back and watched the, the practice footage as well as the game itself um, outside of Zion Johnson. There really wasn't a lot of good offensive line talent in this year's draft. Yeah, and I, a lot I, of developmental guys. Yes. Best. And I, I think, I think that boosted, artificially some of the stock with some of these guys. I watched Perry and Winfrey a lot at Oklahoma over the last two years. He kind of came in as, as a, a Juco transfer and he had half a sack in 2020 had five and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss and a forced fumble this past year that, that play kind of elevated the stock a little bit, earned him a spot in the senior bowl, but he's not, you know, he's not a big guy. He's about 290 pounds, uh, again, and I'm just not sure about the Bucks fit. Like, I, I want to like him. He's got long arms, like you mentioned. He's got very narrow shoulders. He's got a weird kind of build, and I think that he and, and, uh, and DeMarvin Leal, kind of like in that same class, although to his credit, apparently Winfrey's a much better run defender than, uh, than DeMarvin Leal is. Uh, I don't think Leal is a good Buccaneer fit. He played a lot, no. really, at defensive end. He's almost like like a Marlon right. Davidson player, right? Where yes. he's 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 too big to play on the outside at the next level because he's just not mm-hmm. not that quick. Uh, well, he'll get, to killed be, by, he'll get killed on the inside, by get killed on the inside. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, those Holy guys it. are hard. They've had a hard time trades. Those oversized edge guys in the end have had a hard time transitioning to the yeah. NFL. We need to learn that lesson, I think. And I haven't watched this tape yet, so I'm not throwing yeah. it, but. Seen when when you look, Marlon Davidson seen it with Zach Allen, seen it with even Carlos
1: Basham and some of those types. Right. Just exactly, yeah, Boogie Mark Basham, a guy too yeah. that you know, we looked at last year. But the thing with, with when you are looking at at Buccaneer fits, and he, even for a guy like uh, like Anthony Nelson, who's he's long and lean, right? He's two hundred and seventy pounds, but he's a long, and lean guy, uh, kind of like in that that Carl Nassib mold before him. But the Buccaneers for for the their edge guys, they want. Speed, 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 speed. That's why you got Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Shoenka. And, you know, back in the day when he was fully healthy, Jason Pierre Paul was that athletic freak off the edge. That's what they're looking for, not so much the bigger power players like the Logan Halls, mm-hmm. because those guys have to move inside. And listen, a player like Will Golston, and you mentioned him at the top of the show, John, you know, he has been all sort of different body sizes and types for all these different defensive. Uh, schemes, whether it was Mike Smith back in the day, or uh, you know whether it was under Greg Schiano, uh, he he's had to to lose weight and gain weight. I think Will Golson's been down to 280. He's been up to 315. You know he's north of 3 300 pounds right now, and and that that's kind of like where you have to be to be an interior mm-hmm. defensive lineman in this scheme. So when you're looking at guys like uh, Buccaneer fans, like the Logan Halls and the Perrin Winfrey's and stuff, if they're not 300 and five pounds or more, probably not a, a great fit. I wouldn't bet on them coming to the Bucks, John. Let's put it that mm, way. You wouldn't bet on them, Scott? Where would you bet them? What would you do if you were betting? Where would you go? I would go to my bookie, John. That's exactly where oh. I am going to go for the, listen, to Super Bowl coming up, right? I mean, that's 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 the next game on the docket now that we've gotten through the fraud of a Pro Bowl, as you accurately called it. <laughs> So, listen, the Buccaneers might have missed a big game this year, but MyBookie's double deposit bonus, make sure that you won't. Sign up now at MyBookie and use the promo code Pewter to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get in on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way to watch the big game and to, to have it be even more fun is to get paid for doing it, and that's what MyBookie gives you. gives you everything you need to do. It double your your initial deposit, and you can double your winnings Right off the bat with the big game, start them off with the Super Bowl prop bets. They're always fun, right? Whether it's on or off the field, there's no shortage of wagers to choose from for the Super Bowl. So- Did we lose you? Might have lost Scott. Scott froze up. But My Boogie,
0: go check it out at mybookie.ag. You can get a great opportunity to bet on the Super Bowl. It's great stuff for sure. So we lost Scott there uh for a second. Hopefully, we can get him back here. But just to close out the show with these two thoughts to top, put a bow on some of this. Grady Jarrett situation I talked about. He could be available this offseason. We will look into that to see if that's but it, way his contract looks right now, it is a possibility that he could be available this offseason. So, something to consider and think about when it comes to Grady Jarrett uh it, it potentially being an option. And then the last thing I'll say is BJ Hill just to close it out with this thought on BJ Hill. PFF's projection 3 years 26.25 million. million per year, 14 million guaranteed could be doable. We'll see. It depends on what happens with other players, but it it could be in the cards uh, for the bucks to be able to pick up a Grady Jarrett as well. So it's good stuff. There's options. Defensive tackle is going to be an interesting one. Scott, we'll see how it all plays out. Obviously tomorrow we talk about outside and inside linebackers on the podcast. And then on Wednesday, we'll talk about corners. And on Thursday, we'll talk about safeties. It's going to be great stuff. We're looking at all the groups and we're going to do free agents that could be options, draft picks that could be options, and what the in-house options are as well. It's going to be fun stuff. We appreciate y'all. Make sure you like the show before you exit. It helps help boost our YouTube SEO as well. Give us a like, share the link, spread the love. We appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report
1: podcast. Out.